You're listening to Youth and Loud. The show that's the show that's quiet about the trivial things, but loud about the important things. We discuss all issues relevant to youth. If you'd like to find out more about the show or have a topic idea, check us out on Facebook and give us a shout by searching Youth and Loud. On this episode, we talk with Roxanne from Youth Projects about youth homelessness, including the prevalence of youth homelessness in Victoria, some of the factors that contribute to youth homelessness, and some things that mean you can do to support people who are experiencing homelessness. Uh, hi, hi Roxanne, how are you doing? Yeah, doing good, thanks. Um, thanks a heap for coming on the podcast. It's going to be really cool to chat to you um, about youth homelessness and a bit about um, the work that you do at Youth Projects. All right, cool. So I guess just to, to begin with, um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what your life uh, looks like at the moment, Roxanne? Yeah, um, so I'm Roxanne. I work for Youth Projects. In the Youth in Fear and Outreach Program, which we like to call YHOP, um, and we work with young people aged 12 to 25, kind of addressing any barriers that they may have, they may be facing. And um, and right now, that's mostly around housing, mental health, and family violence. They've been the three major players in in um, my role at the moment. Um, and how how prevalent would you say um, that youth homelessness is uh, in Victoria? It's disturbingly present in um, in Victoria, and I would think I was looking at the census date like just recently. I think there's six thousand young people who are experiencing homelessness in Victoria, and most of that is in Melbourne, um, and that's devastating to me and youth projects as a whole um, and obviously we like to work with the young people to try and prevent that and I suppose that's a lot of what I do is early intervention or like that first point of contact if they're experiencing homelessness um, and I suppose what that census data tells us doesn't tell us is the amount of couch surfing that's happening and I think that plays a huge part in what's happening in young people's lives as well. Like the amount of times that I've spoken to young people who are just jumping from couch to couch, from friend's house to friend's house to family member, and they've got no solid place to stay. So that's most of what I do at the moment is working with young people in that first point of contact, trying to work out where they can, they can call a safe place to live. Yeah. And, and there's not many places out there that um, they can stay if they don't have family and friends, mm. which is heartbreaking. Yeah, 6,000 is a lot. Like, that's, um, you know, I wouldn't have thought that it would be that many um, young people in Victoria, so that, that is a fair bit. So what, um, like, what do you think some of the main uh, causes or what are some of the main factors that lead to, to homelessness or lead young people to be at risk of homelessness, would you say? Look, there's, there's so many different barriers that... that young people are facing um, and, they, and it really comes down to mental health, 
um, they could have faced trauma, family violence, relationship breakdowns, losing their job, not having employment, um, not having access to Centrelink. Um, and these are just some of the, the main, the key points that young people are facing. And it's really complex when a young person kind of gets to that point of homelessness. You know, my role at these projects in the Wipe program is to try and address those barriers earlier than, and try and get them onto the right path and have that early intervention. Um, but when they are, that kind of, um, their relationship breakdowns have happened already, um, it's trying to get them into some kind of crisis accommodation or something like that. Um, and that's a really tough time for them. But yeah, those, those are the main, there's a lot of barriers that a young person can face to kind of getting to the point of homelessness or at risk of homelessness. Um, and what, what would you say some of the main uh, things that young people um, need who might be uh, homeless or they might be at risk? Um, you touched on a few things there, but what are some of the main, I guess, needs or um, ways they need to be uh, supported? Yeah, look, um, the main ways that they need to be supported is they live in, like the ideal situation is that they're living in a, in a, a great family home. Um, they're getting supported with their mental health and their non experience in family violence or, or trauma in the household. So that would be the ideal situation. But um, I think that they just need, they need to have someone to advocate on their behalf and speak their language to be able to communicate to services. And the biggest thing that young people face when they come to a homelessness service, for example, um, is how to actually access that. And I think that's probably the hardest thing for a young person to do, is actually to reach out for help in the first place and then to be hit in the face with the housing system. And the housing system is really poor. There's not enough resources going into it. Um, it's overworked. The workers are great, um, but there's just not enough. And there's not enough money being put into the, the resources to actually support people who are the most vulnerable. They've got no home, they've got nothing, they've experienced lots of barriers in their lives and they're at their most vulnerable point and there's not enough money going into that area, which is very, very distressing. So I guess um, in, in connection to what you're saying there, Roxanne, what, um, what are some of the things that you think might need to... Uh, change in society or change in terms of um, government or policies that might better uh, support young people when it comes to, to youth homelessness? Like just since coronavirus has kind of come into play, um, the increase in um, job seeker and, and centrelink payments so that people actually can afford to live. Whereas at the moment, young people who are on, say, a job seeker payment, um, they're not eligible for any private rental alone. So they couldn't find a place on their own to be able to live. <clears throat> and so that increase in finances over coronavirus time was amazing. So increases in the central payments is definitely a huge must so that young people can feel as though that they can support themselves and actually put a safe roof over their heads is one, one side of things. The housing system in itself is extremely complex and clunky. So as an example, like if a young person was to come to me and say, I've got nowhere to stay next week, um, as of next week, I've got nowhere to stay. What they need to do is they actually can't really contact a homelessness service because they're not 
experiencing homelessness because they've still got somewhere to stay for a week. But realistically, you don't want that person to become homeless. Mm. You want them to find a safe place to stay. Yep. So my role is to kind of suss out that situation and kind of navigate that for them. But it's not really, you can't actually access housing services to support them finding a house um, or a safe place to stay unless you have nowhere to stay on that night. So that's in itself is a really bad situation. Then um, you would need to access that service at night, like in the morning, um, every morning until you found long-term accommodation, which doesn't really work with young people at all. You know, young people have so many different things on, like to get up at nine o'clock in the morning, you're experiencing homelessness, you've got, you may have, um, you know, you've experienced trauma, there's a whole bunch of reasons why you're in that situation, but you have to be there at nine o'clock in the morning, otherwise you won't get given a place to stay. Um, and I suppose I'm just trying to give you a bit of an example of what it's like to actually access that system. Mm. Then once you get there, you might get one night to stay, and then you have to go back the next day and find another place to stay. And mm. so you're roaming around, and again, I say that these people are the most vulnerable, you have nowhere to stay, and they have to face the system. And if they're doing it alone, it's extremely challenging. And it doesn't surprise me that young people are sleeping out on the streets because, and, and sleeping rough because the system is flawed. So mm. some adjustments need to be made to the system to make it easily accessible. Yeah. Um, and it really does need to be addressed because, and I keep bringing it back to the, they're the most vulnerable people, the young people in, the, the age bracket, like if you're homeless, you've got so much going on and, and people aren't, aren't supporting them enough. Mm. So what, um, I guess, uh, Roxanne, what, what can we do? What can listeners do? What can, um, you know, normal members of society do to best show support yeah, to, to young people? I think this is a really interesting, interesting point. Um, like what do, what does, what can everybody do? I think the first point of call is to remember that people who are sleeping rough, um, are people like they're, mm. they're, they're people who like crave relationships and want to be like you know have social connections so if you see somebody and and you have that kind of need inside you to say something or want to say something or do something i think it's just about asking saying hi or checking in with this person mm. and if you see them regularly on your say walk home from work or no one's walking home from work at the moment but walking to your local shopping center um, you know, make a connection with those people, I think is probably the first point of call. Like mm. actually having a chat with these people and, yeah. and just being your gentle self. Mm. That would be my first point. Um, I suppose to actually create change, I think you need to, like people need to use their voice. Um, and when there is an opportunity to speak out and, and change settling payments or um, you know, changing policy or anything like that to actually kind of use their voice and, and shout out and say, you know, things need to change because right now it's not working and it's really tough. So um, using your voice. Um, and also like sometimes just like donating money to small organizations, you know, these projects or donating your time to helping support people who have the, the power to actually use their voice. Mm. So these projects often, you know, we're, we're always a part of the fight into changing the homelessness sector so yeah beautiful just use your voice use your voice everybody (laughs) that's good yeah i like what you said about you know i guess um 
making it more personal and interacting uh, with someone who might be homeless or at risk on a personal a personal level. So I think that's really really important. Um, yeah, it's not scary like to go and have a chat with somebody. Like, uh, there's a guy who I, I speak to quite regularly um, who um, I live close to a homelessness service. Um, and often there's quite a lot of people around who are accessing that, that support service. I, I often just have a chat with them, suss, them out, suss out what's going on and just have a general conversation. Like you don't need to be, I think the expectation is you need to give money or you need to, you need to give food to those people. But it's just about having a conversation and saying, check me in if they're okay, mm. you know, creating that relationship. And, yeah. and if they do need some support, help out where you can, but mm. don't, don't, don't to do anything that you can't can't sustain. Yeah, yeah, it's good. What is it that uh, inspired or what is it that motivated you to want to be involved in, you know, working with uh, young people who are homeless or working at youth projects? What what was the thing for you that, I guess, encouraged you to want to be a part of that? It's been an interesting process. I was a hairdresser for 13 years, 15 years before I was a youth worker. And I got into youth work um, because I wanted to support people in a different way. Like cutting hair wasn't really cutting hair, really. <laughs> I actually thought, in, like my perception was, that homelessness actually had a lot of funding and a lot of support and a lot of resources. And that was just my understanding from a public view, um, is that there was a lot of services, a lot of funding, and it was an easily accessible service to use. Um, and when I started at Youth Projects in the YHOP program, I think it was my first young person I worked with who was experiencing homelessness and family violence and had a young daughter. So the, the young person was 18 and had been kicked out of home with her daughter. And trying to get her into a support service um, through the homelessness system, it, it took her a month of going in and out of a homelessness service to actually get ongoing support mm. um, and a stable place to stay for a, a couple of months until she found somewhere. And it was that point there that I realised that, okay, something's so wrong with this system. If a young person who's 18 thinks out of home with a young daughter um, can't get a house, like this this isn't right. And so now it's, it's kind of just been an evolution and it kills me how... how the system is so flawed and doesn't, especially for young people um, and trying to navigate it, it, it's really hard. So I think I've just kind of taken it upon myself to like, fight the bigger fight with youth projects where we're all there ready to, to have our say. But um, I had no idea getting into it that homelessness was so prevalent. And now I, I, I try at every point to kind of have a voice and, and try and change things and mm. understand it so a young person doesn't have to go through the complexities of, of what's going on because they're so vulnerable at that point. Mm. Um, so Roxanne, I think I think that's the, the main questions I want to, uh, to ask, but is there anything else that you'd like to, to say or do you want to um, comment on anything at all before we finish? I, I just want to be able to support well, myself and the youth projects as a whole, obviously, we really want to support as many young people or people who are sleeping around or homeless, um, experiencing homelessness, uh, couch surfing, we want to help them as much as possible. I think that kind of came across in the questions, but 
yeah, like we are really trying to fight the fight to kind of change what's going on, um, and it's just a really long process. But we're all here, fight, like have very passionate about what we're doing, and we want to make sure that young people are supported wherever we can. So, yeah, yeah, that's always. Yeah, I think I answered everything. I said everything I wanted to say. But yeah, we, we really want to change the system because the system's not working. Mm. Thanks heaps for being uh, on the show, Roxanne. It's been really cool to chat to you. I think <laughs> that... No, it's okay. Thanks for thanks for being a part of it. It's good. Um, I think listeners are going to get a lot out of listening to things you've had to say and what you know from your own experience and from your from your work. I guess if anyone wants to find out more about youth projects or they want to volunteer or help out, perhaps you know in the future after the COVID days, what's the best place yeah, to go to? The COVID craziness. Yeah. yeah. Where where's the best place for them to check it out? They could just go to www.youthprojects.org.au um, yeah. and jump on and we've got a volunteer section, a staff section, a donate section and reach out on the website. That brings us to an end of this episode of Youth and Loud. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time on Youth and Loud.